Here's a couple of means to start us off. When you realize it's Friday, then remember that you're parents and it doesn't matter. When I finally get to leave the house without the kids. Any amens to that? <laughs> okay. This one is for the kids. You know, we, we're, uh, we want to be equal opportunity at uh, handing out burns. But uh, here's one for the kids. Makes you clean your room for relatives coming over. Nobody goes near room. Any amens to that one? <laughs> And then the last one, this is for the mums. Me calling my husband to let him know I got all three kids to bed by 7.30 p.m. I won. Okay. I see your name in there, Casey. Awesome. So originally, I planned uh, this morning to look at both parent-child relationships and also husband-wife relationships. Um, from the book of Proverbs, but as I prepared the message, it was clear that there was way too much for me to cover in one session. So next week, we're going to look at the husbands and wives, but this week, we're going to look at parent-child relationships, um, how parents can love their children, um, and how children can love their parents, according to the book of Proverbs. Now, a few weeks ago, I um, shared a helpful way to look at the book of Proverbs, that they are probabilities, not promises. And that thought is, is not my thought, it's one that I stole from somewhere, but I find it helpful that when we read the book of Proverbs, they are probabilities and not promises, especially when we start to look at the glorious mess of parent-child relationships. We don't need promises of quick fixes, and we don't need false hope. And so when we read a verse like uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6, that says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they won't depart from it, you know, we need to understand that that's a probability, not a promise, which means that, but what it does mean is, is that if you live a Christ-centered life and you raise your, your children in a Jesus-centered way, then you're well on the way to not screwing them up too much. Okay, that's what that means. And of course, there are exceptions. Uh, take, for example, Brian Hugh Warner, who was raised in church went to Christian school, etc., etc. He then went on to release the album Antichrist Superstar and have a massively popular career as the singer Marilyn Manson, named partially after the cult leader and killer Charles Manson. So Proverbs 22 verse 6 is not an exact science. Now, we, we all know that family life is messy. There's something about living day in and day out, week in and week out with someone year after year after year that tends to reveal their true self. It's hard to hide who you are when you live in a family. Any amens to that? My hand is way up. And there's a good chance that some of you lost it with the kids this morning before church. Okay, family life is messy. And I know that my kids see a different side of, of me than the wise and generally friendly Pastor Dan that I try to exude to you guys on a Sunday morning. They get to see grouchy Dan. They get to see frustrated Dan. They get to see tired Dan. They get to see morning breath Dan. 
they, they get to see, don't talk to me, I'm watching TV, Dan, also known as Dad. And so my kids have the dubious honor of knowing this particular Dan. Um, they see a side of me that you will probably never see, at least that's what I hope. But parenting is never easy, and childing isn't easy either. You know, I didn't get a master's degree in fathering. Wendy has never got her PhD in the art and science of mumming. And at the same time, my kids have never received a class called Being a Good Kid 101. So we're all in this mess, you know, as a group, all there together. And we like to set the, the bar quite low, right? Because my thinking is, as a parent, if I don't irreparably screw my kid up forever, then that for me is known as a wild success, okay? That's grade A parenting. But even though we may have never sat exams for parent-child relationships, we do have a textbook, it's called the Bible, it's called the book of Proverbs. And if we have the courage to prayerfully and uh, in a focused way live out what we actually read here in the book of Proverbs, then the probability of us doing this whole parent-child thing well and actually succeeding in it increases massively. Our grades can increase. Our ability to live as a parent or a child can be honed and can be enhanced. If we, and if we choose to work hard at it and read the book of Proverbs, we can actually become pretty proficient at it. And so that verse, start children off in the way that they should go, and even when they're old, they won't depart from it, that can actually start to take on form in our lives and our households. And even if our kids are older maybe adult children. And even if we feel that that ship has sailed, that we've missed our opportunity, then let me tell you this, that God can do something miraculous and restorative and amazing even in those relationships. Because that's what the message of the gospel is all about. That's what Jesus is all about, that there are no hopeless causes at all. So if you're an older child and you're listening to this, even if you're a parent but you're thinking right now I feel like a kid, I'm, I'm entering into my child relationship brain. So if you're an older child and you're listening to this and maybe God starts to stir something in you that maybe you've not been the best child, then you can make amends, you can restore that relationship. You see, we're, we're less interested in the gospel being true than we are in the gospel working, right? It's not so much, or it's not just about the gospel being true, but it's also about knowing that the gospel works. We want to know that it can be applied to our messy relationships. So let's jump straight in and see how parents should love their children. So parents, Proverbs teaches us to love our children with engagement, with engagement. Let's say that together. Parents love with engagement. One more time. Parents love with engagement. Uh, Proverbs 19 verse 8 says this. Says, 
discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. And what that means is that we are to be engaged. We are to care enough to actually be involved. This is where hope starts, Proverbs 19, verse 8. And if Proverbs is a book about wise living, about living smart, then there are lots of pointers in Proverbs about parenting. Um, You know, our, our theme verse for Proverbs is 1 verse 8, which says that the fear of the Lord is the, be- is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so just as you expect your children to listen to you and to what you say, so God as our Heavenly Father expects us to listen to Him and to do what He says. Wisdom starts with Him. And, and there are also many generally helpful principles in the book of Proverbs that will help us in our parenting, even if they're not specifically to do with with parenting. So all those sermons that I've preached on wisdom and on anger and on humility and on wealth, all of these are principles that if we live them out in the view of our children, then we're raising them in the way that they should go. But specifically, I want to focus on discipline. Today, why? Number one, because Proverbs has a lot to say about it. Number two, because it's something that we don't generally like talking about. And number three, because some of the Proverbs at first glance look like you would end up in jail if you lived them out in this country. So it's important that we seek to understand them. And we don't understand scripture by ignoring it and pretending it doesn't exist. We understand scripture by engaging with it. So let's listen to some of these scriptures about parents and also discipline. So Proverbs 13, verse 24. Let's just jump straight into the deep end. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in a heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Proverbs 23, verse 13, just over the page. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. And Proverbs 29, verse 15. A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. There's a lot more where those verses came from. So what's all this talk about a rod? Like, are we talking about physically taking a stick to our children? What do we do with verses? Now, some of you might have been raised in households where verses like this were used to excuse a kind of a tough love style of parenting with an emphasis on the tough and less of an emphasis on the love, right? Spare the rod and and spoil the child. Hands up if you've ever heard that. I won't ask you if you've ever said it, but hands up if you've ever heard it. Now, but what we have to understand first and foremost, because context is everything, right? And it's so easy, especially in the book of Proverbs, just take a verse 
and to say, that's it. But of course, context is everything. And so all these verses that I've just read cannot be read without reading Proverbs 14, verse 26. Proverbs 14, verse 26, which says this, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. And so what this is saying is that home should be a safe place. And it's important straight away to realize that these verses that I read earlier, none of them um, should be used to justify or even excuse any type of uh, physical abuse. That the parents' first and last responsibility is to love their children and to raise them in a safe, protective environment where the children can flourish. You know, fearing the Lord, Proverbs 1 verse 8, means knowing God's character. And if you parents live out the character of God the Father in your home, then it will be a safe place. And so as a parent, you and I are responsible for building a home and a home life in which God is central and in which your children feel safe. Home should be a secure fortress, a refuge for them. When, you're, when your children come home from school, do they breathe a sigh of relief knowing that whatever has happened out there, in here, they are safe? So any training, any discipline needs to take place in the context of safety and security and felt, experienced love. Now, now because the word discipline can be such an emotionally laden concept for so many of us, depending on how we were raised. And because for many of us it brings to mind negative stuff, I'm going to use the word training instead. Because training carries with it the idea of an end goal. Uh, There's a purpose. Training never exists just for its own sake. And so we will use that word training even though this other word is a good word. We've, we've just kind of spoiled it, or we've been raised in homes where it has been spoiled. And there's another thing which I want to point out, is that, is that the Near East 3,000 years ago is not Canada 2019, right? There's a difference. There's a time difference. There's a cultural difference. Culturally, things were very different back then. That's not to say that things were, were either better or worse, but they were very, very different. And so, and so to talk about using a stick to correct a child would not have raised any eyebrows in those days. It was par for the course. This is how it happened. That was life. And so even though the Bible was written for us in 2019 here in Canada, we have to remember it was written to these folks back then. It was written to them. It was written for us. And so our job is to take these, these truths written to this culture and to apply them to ourselves in our cultural context. And so... But, but our tendency is to read a verse that contains the word rod or stick and the word children, and we freak out. And we say, well, it can't mean what it said. God can't have mean that. We kind of want to call CAS on the Bible, right? 
And yet here it is in God's word for us to read and to apply into our cultural context. And so we can do one of two things. Option one is to allow our worldview to to inform and form our reading of the Bible. Option two is to allow the Bible to inform our reading of our culture. And I would encourage us to choose the latter because as we look at the world around us, um, option one's not really working, right? You know? So I've already established that these verses have to be read in the context of Proverbs, Proverbs 14, verse 26, where home is a God-centered safe place where it's a refuge. And, after, and, and I've also established that Proverbs was written to people who lived 3,000 years ago in, in a very different context. So having said all that, here are two principles that, that we can draw out, and it might be worth writing them down if that helps you think. So number one, training is an essential part of raising kids that love Jesus. We can't opt out of training. And number two, training must be out of love and never anger. Using any measure, whether it's spanking or verbal reprimands or groundings or chores, anything that's not motivated by love is not acceptable. And all of these verses clearly establish that that it's the love and and the well-being of the child that... Um, informs the training. This is the motivator. Nothing else. Training up your child should is 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 never a way to work out your frustration or your anger or to get someone back because you happen to be bigger or stronger. It says in Ephesians chapter four in the Message translation: Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Instead, you should take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Isn't that amazing? Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Ephesians 6 verse 4. So here's the principle in a nutshell. As a parent, care enough for your child to get stuck in. And I'm not talking about the rights and the wrongs of spanking your children. But what I am saying is that training actually communicates love. Training communicates love. And I love how the message translates Proverbs 13, uh, 24. It says, a refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. So if you choose not to train, if you choose not to get involved or to intervene or to correct your child, if you see them going off the rails and you don't get stuck in, then Proverbs is clear, you are not loving your child. Your child needs to know that you value them and that you love them. A refusal to correct is a refusal to love And you do this by getting involved. There was one writer I read who who paints parents who don't get involved as standoffish. 
just saying, I'll just leave them alone and hope that they figure out stuff themselves and that they make it through the teenage years okay. Well, that's not love, is it? You know, when I think back to my childhood, I remember kids at school who were allowed to really do whatever they wanted. There were no rules. And at that time, I remember being really jealous of them. But now I view it very, very differently. Your, your children don't need you to be cool. Your children don't need you to let them do whatever they want. Your children don't need a friend. They need a parent who is there. Parents who love them enough to get stuck in and engaged in their life. But nowadays, more than ever, or perhaps I'm just think, feeling this because I happen to be a parent now, but parenting can be really daunting especially when it comes to the internet, you know, and to technology. And the way that all technology is advancing can be so nerve-wracking, and it can leave the average parent feeling like a bit of a dinosaur if they even try to understand it, and so they'd rather just leave it and hope that everything works out okay. But whether you know what Snapchat or Instagram or incognito browsing is, you still have a responsibility to love your child with engagement. Saying that you don't understand isn't an excuse, it's a cop-out. You know, this is something which I, I try to regularly say, but I thank God that I wasn't a teenager when the internet existed. Because porn is so readily available now. And yet then, I had to go into a shop, and I had to get that magazine in that brown paper bag, which I never did. But, but that was it. Whereas now, it's there right at the click of a button and no one has to know. So how are you parenting your children regarding what's on the internet? You, you, you don't love your children by letting them do whatever they want. You, that's called creating a monster. You love them with engagement by getting involved in their lives with what they are doing. And so it involves you knowing what they're up to and it involves you knowing how they are spending their time. It involves you creating healthy boundaries and explaining why. It involves you being involved. Not getting involved is not love, it's an excuse, it's aloofness. Which is why we read in the book of Proverbs 13, whoever spares their rod Okay, move aside all of the rod thing, but whoever spares their rod um, hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. So love your child with engagement. Be, be careful to train them, as this verse says, because there's a good chance that later you will be thankful and happy as Proverbs 29 verse 17 says, there's even a good chance that they will be lovely for you to live with. Honestly, it's there. It says there. You will be glad you did. They'll turn out rather delightful for you to live with. That's what it says. Proverbs 29 verse 17. And then in Proverbs 3 verse 11, it says, my son, do not despise the, the Lord's discipline. Okay, this is him. This is how we mirror God. And do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines who? Those he loves. As a father, the son he loves, he delights in. So that's for the parents. Love your children with engagement now for the kids. 
long and the short is that if you're a kid here, then you wield power. You have might. You are mighty. You have the power to bring, your, to, to bring joy to your parents or to make your parents regret the day they brought you into the world. That is the power that children have, which is what Proverbs 17 verse 25 tells us. A foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to the mother who raised him. So so you live inside your mum for nine months and you make her feel like rubbish. And then she brings you screaming into the world and she's probably screaming louder than you were at that moment. And then you were this little pile of potential and promise and hope. And yet you are making her feel really bitter now. And if you're bringing your old man grief, as it says here, you have to stop. You know, I remember being a teenager. I was a royal headache to my mum and dad. And we laugh and we say, well, that's just part of growing up. You know, you seem to have turned out okay, Pastor Dan. But my parents had no idea how I would end up when I was going through my stuff. And it might be said that I've landed on my feet, being a pastor and all, but that was only because God grabbed hold of me, not because I was some angel or a saint and now looking back I can see how selfish I was that my life all revolved around myself you know that my parents were were in a position through saving and through sacrifice to financially put me through university and they did it it was it was all paid for and yet I spurned that wonderful blessing and I treated university like it was a free-for-all I chose to waste my time rather than really focus on the work. And I came out of there not owing any money, zero debt, because of my mum and dad. And I also came out of there with with a grade that was not worth the paper it was written on. And that wasn't mum and dad's fault, that was my fault. I was the lowest grade in my whole class. And yet I was so self-absorbed in my own universe that I was not aware of what I was doing. You know, I viewed university as a, as a chance to party and to waste my time and, you know, and to drink. Um, if you'd have asked me at that time, though, if I was selfish, I'd have said no. And yet now I know that I caused m- my parents grief. I know that I did not love them with honor. I know that I failed in this. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Proverbs 10 verse 1. And so if you're a child here today, whether a grown-up child or a child's child, if you're a child and your parents are still alive, then you have the power to bring them joy or to cause them grief. 13, 29, 28, 27. Boy, have some more ice cream, Mum. Kevin, you've eaten all the ice cream in the house, remember? Oh, yeah. Bloody hell, I'm thick, Mr Bean. Hello. Hello. <laughs> 15, 14, 13. I'll be getting Super Mario Kart. Boom, bam, bam, boom, bam, bam, boom, bam, bam. I'd like to go to bed tonight, do I? Yes, in five minutes. Remember, you've still got school tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Do, Brian. Yeah, I'm 13. Happy.
Happy birthday, Kevin! Happy birthday to me! Happy birthday to me! Happy birthday, Dick! Goo! Goo! Kevin? Darling, he's losing the power of rational thought. And the use of his arms. He's, he's become, become a teenager. <laughs> Kevin! What? It's your birthday, Kevin. Oh, I know! Happy birthday, Kevin. Okay, stop going on about it, will you? Now, I know it can sometimes seem that parents are ruining your life, but I can near enough promise that no parent on the day that their child was born thinks, how can I ruin my child's life? How can I make my children's life as miserable as I possibly can? You know, in my pre-dad years, I viewed my parents as people whose job it was to handle any rubbish that I sent their way. They could take it if I acted out, if I didn't treat them right, well, that's just part of growing up. They, their job is to suck it up. But it's only now as a dad that I realize that parents have feelings too. Gasp of horror. Parents can have their hearts break. Parents can carry wounds from the words of their children. And teenagers, experiencing hormonal changes does not give you the right to ignore. I'm trying to look at all the teenagers here. Or to... Uh, or to treat your parents like they are dirt or idiots or whatever you do. Not one little bit. Teenage years are not a get-out-of-jail-free card with zero consequences. So children, it doesn't get any clearer than Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that, your Lord, that the Lord your God is giving you. So what this means is that your blessing in life is linked absolutely with the tr way that you treat your mum and your dad. That's what this verse says. And I know that you might feel that your parents have zero clue. I know that you might feel that they don't understand. And, but I'm 39, and I clearly remember being 16 years old. It feels like yesterday... And I bet it's the same for your folks too. Being someone's child is a lifelong journey of growing up and realizing with every life stage that your parents aren't some alien life form. Growing up is a process where you realize more and more that you are more like your parents than you first thought. And so I'd like to leave us with encouraging parents to love your kids by getting stuck in. And kids love your parents by honoring them. Our home and our family life is a physical expression of this spiritual reality that finds its ultimate expression in the relationship between God and his church. Our households are to be tangible signposts that point us to the truth of God and the love that God has for us but we all fall short, we all sin, we all fail, we are weak, we sin as parents and as children, we let each other down, right? Hands up if you've ever said something as a mum or a dad or a child, as a son or a daughter to your parents or your kids that you've later regretted. Hands up if you've ever done that. Thank you for the honesty. The rest of you are liars. 
because we all mess it up. And so in order to not lose heart in the midst of messing it up, we have no other choice but to look to the Lord. You see, as a father, God is our example and our hope, as Hebrews chapter 12 verse 7 tells us. It says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what, what children are not disciplined by their father? And then verse 10. But, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Okay, so as a father, God is our example. And as a son, Jesus is our example. As Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 tells us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Who was he obedient to? His father, and his obedience was so pure and so complete that he trusted his dad up to the moment that those nails were driven into his hands and even on past there. And so what this means, where the hope comes from this, is that Jesus is standing there ready to empower you to love your parents by honoring them just like he did. How do I know this? Because in verse 5, of that, of that chapter, Philippians chapter 2, in verse 5, we are told that we're to have the same mindset as Jesus. And he wouldn't say that if he didn't mean to make it a reality. So Jesus lived out his sonship by honoring his father. Hebrews 5 verse 8 to 9 says this, Son though he was, he learnt obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who would obey him. So as a son, as a child, Jesus is our example. He, he obeyed the Father. And the good news is that he empowers us to love our parents through honor, as Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 tells us. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that, they may, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's what Ephesians 6 verse 1 tells us. God is the perfect father. Jesus is the perfect son. And it is this God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Philippians 2 verse 13. So on your own, you're most likely to be a rubbish parent or a rubbish kid. You are, but with God revving your engine and empowering you, then suddenly the odds are in your favor. So read your Bible, pray and start, keep praying. Share your struggle with someone, don't give up. Never give up hope. God will make you into a parent who loves your children by getting engaged in a God-honoring way. And God will make you into a child who loves your parents with honor. Amen. Amen.